Mike's uh, sermon last week I thought was, was so good. You know, and when you think about a sermon throughout the week, that's a good sermon. So, in fact, I thought it was so good that what I did is I, I had it taped and I'm just going to lip sync it. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they do that at the Super Bowl. I mean, why can't we do that here, you know? <clears throat> well, let's open a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your everlasting word. Lord, I thank you for all the believers here. I thank you, Lord God, for hearts that have looked at you and said, yes, you're my Savior. I'll take you for my Savior. I'll take that gift. Oh, how simple that is. Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, I pray that this morning as I'm speaking, I'm speaking through the power of the Holy Ghost and his precious word. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. After Mike's message uh, last Sunday, it made me think about uh, it made me think about salvation. Um, I had I, I think it was sometime probably last spring or something. I, I had filled in for him and I done a uh, I done a sermon on uh, the joy of my salvation. And I thought, boy, what a contrast! You know, the joy of our salvation. That rings true. I mean, we see that in the Bible. You know, it's, it's in verses in the Bible, the joy of my salvation. I am now a saved being, and I have eternity in heaven. Uh, you know, we talk about that, and that, yeah, okay, but I really don't know really what that is, but okay, that, that sounds good. It sounds, it's better than going to eternal damnation. But when you spoke about the frustration of my salvation, you know, it made me think how many of us really fall into that place. And I even noticed last night when we uh, had our, our uh, worship praise service, a lot of the ones that came up said, they're stuck. That was very common. I'm stuck. I'm stuck right here. I can't get off of this. I, I... First question asked, are you a believer? Yes, I'm a believer. I can't, I'm just stuck. And we fall into that very commonly. So, I, I, you know, I was looking at it and I thought, I, I kind of broke it up into three parts. And it was, you know, how do I get my salvation? And what do I do with my salvation? And the last one is, Excuse me, the second one is, what do, what do I do for my salvation? And what do I do with my salvation? It seemed, it seemed appropriate to break it up that way because, I, for me, I could understand it a little bit better. You know, the first part is, is, is so absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there's three places in the Bible that I fought very, found very quickly in Revelations, 1 Timothy, and in Ephesians, where it says that our, our redemption was done before the salvation of time. Be at the foundation of the world. It, when it started, my, my, my salvation was secure. Your salvation was secure 
when he was making stars and stuff like that. He had you in mind. You've got to remember, God's pretty smart. You know, he says the most foolish, most smartest thing that a man could think of is absolutely foolishness to him. So he knew every one of you, and he knew your salvation. It was already there. He had planned it. It was all set up before the beginning of, of it, they call it before eternity, if you can imagine that. So that was all set up. That's pretty ominous. Well, and he only asked one thing. And that's even more fabulous. He just asked us to believe. Just believe. Just believe. Uh, don't, uh, you know, no gauntlet you got to run where they beat you up or slash you up and confess things or, or, or whatever. You believe. Isn't that amazing? The greatest gift in the world, you just believe it. No frustration there yet. Is there? That's pretty cool. I just believe, and I'm in. If you don't think, if you don't think that's true, I'm going to read something for you. I always tell everybody, uh, oh, underline this, circle it. You don't have to turn there, but Ephesians, uh, first chapter of Ephesians. This describes any of us who are believers. It says, in him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were seated in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are sealed in him. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You are a believer. You're in heaven. Your your salvation is secure. Having believed. Of course, the first thing we're going to say is, what do you mean by believe? Believe means to rely upon, trust upon, put all your weight upon, everything. It's like the old farmer, you know, some of us get this way, uh, you know, old Elmer was just a farm from way, way long, way ages back, you know, he was about 80 years old, and, you know, he sees, he sees this airplane flying around, dusting crops, you know, and spraying herbicide down and stuff like that. And uh, that the neighbor, you know, they'd always land at his place. He had a big yard, so he'd always, he'd, you know, he'd go over there and he'd just look around a little bit, and and uh, you know, they'd say, "Oh, you want to ride in that thing?" Oh, no, 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 that's not for me. That's for you, you young guys. That's, you know, I ain't gonna have any that newfangled stuff here, you know. So he he uh, he just every year he'd kind of go over there in the time of the year when he'd spray, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> finally he said, "No, I'm gonna take a ride in that thing." Yeah, they talked him into it. So he got up there, and he flies around a little bit. They fly over his farm, fly over the neighbor's place, and, and uh, it's pretty impressive, pretty impressive. You get, you get down, they land, everything. He says, well, Elmer, what did you think of that ride? How'd you like that? Well, it was fun. It was, yeah, I enjoyed that. But I can tell you right now, I didn't put all my weight down. <laughs> you know... Uh, I'll just think about it a little bit. You'll get it. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, well, sometimes we're that way. We don't put all of our trust in that. If we put all of our trust in what he already did on the cross, oh, I tell you, we'd have some good days. There ain't no frustration there. None. That's beautiful. 
I know we were talking about this uh, on Sunday morning, our adult Bible study uh, a couple of years back. I, I would just get stuck on this. I could just sit and talk about this and talk about this because I just, it just feels so good that my salvation is secure just by me believing. I haven't done a thing. Because if, if I don't, if I say, okay, now I believe, but I have to do this, the grace is gone. It's no longer grace. It has to be pure and holy and simple for it to work. Paul told the church in uh, Corinth, he said, I'm afraid you guys have slipped away from the simplicity of Christ. You the sinner, him the Savior, you believe by faith. And there it worked. There it is. There it is. Last night it was, uh, we were praying with some, I, I see what happens is, uh, you know, the first thing you ask is, are you a believer? Oh, yes, yes, I'm a believer. You know, what, what, what are God's people doing in this, you know, with agony like this, with uncertainty, unbelief, panic attacks, nervousness, anguish? This is not a scolding, by the way. It's just the way it is. When Mike described his, his long ordeal with the frustration of his salvation, that's where most of us land at some time or other, it seems like. But <clears throat> there's a story. To, to illustrate this a little bit, a little bit simpler is uh, it's as simple as it can get. Back in, uh, you don't have to turn there, but back in Numbers uh, 21, it talks about when the children of Israel were, had, had already crossed the Red Sea and were heading for the Promised Land, which took them way, 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 way longer than it should have. And then they didn't make it anyway because of unbelief and because they were rebellious and whiny and complaining and things like that. And this is one of them times. They were complaining about uh, uh, this stinking bread, you know, this manna, you know, this light bread. They call it light bread. You know, I want, I know if you're like me, I like heavy buns dripping with butter, you know. Bob Nordine made some bread here a while ago for us, and I just loved it. It was, it was heavy. You know, I knew there was stuff in there. You know, it's all fattening, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. But they got this light bread, and they complained about it. You know, you know back in Egypt, we had better stuff than this. So again, they, they disobeyed, and they were, they were disobedient. And so he, he sends out these snakes. Yeah, why not? Snakes. They didn't have gophers come and bite you or something like that. He sent out these serpents. And they were crawling around. And they were biting the people. A lot of the people were dying. And he told Moses <clears throat> uh, that first the people come to Moses and said, Moses, what, this is major. We're, we're dying. These snakes are killing us. So the Lord went to Moses. Uh, uh, Moses went to the Lord. And uh, the Lord told him, put up a pole and put a serpent on it. A, brown, a bronze serpent. Stand them up so everybody can see it and have them look on it. And when they look on it, they will not die from the bites. Isn't that simple? That's all they had to do. They didn't have to fight the snakes. They didn't have to take any venom. They didn't have to do anything like that. They just said, look up to that Serpent on the cross. 
In John 3.16, we all know that, for God so loved the world, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But if you step back into John 14, John uh, chapter 3, verse 14, it's just like when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Remember that? <clears throat> and he goes on to say, after uh, 3.16, he said, it's the same thing. As he is lifted up, I will draw him in unto me. Very simple analogy. The serpent, they looked at it, they didn't die. The cross, Jesus, we look at it, we don't die. We die physically, but not eternally. We don't die the second death. We die the first death. How simple is that? Just look. We just have to look. We look up and we believe. He's made it so simple for us. Secondly, I just want to look at what, what, you know, the thing that came was, what do I do for my salvation? What do I do for it? Well, you know, there's a lot of things we could say about this. Obviously, we need to nurture it. We need to feed it. We need to make it grow. We need to... We, we need to put it in a place where it incubates in our heart. And Jesus uh, told a parable about the sower sowing the seed. And, you know, he described the seed as the word of God as a seed. Very clear. Very, you know, in fact, it was so simple, he told the disciples, if you don't get this one, you probably won't get the rest of it. But he said, the word of God is a seed. And the best way for us to understand that is when we receive the word of God, when we hear the word, we look at it as a seed. And what does a seed do? It's got one thing to do, and it's grow. Now, we've been going over this in our Wednesday night men's Bible study about that parable of the sower and the seed. But... um, we, we've learned that, um, you know, you can get bad seed. You can get seed that'll die. Some of you farmers know that. You can get some seed that uh, it won't incubate. Something's wrong with it. It died. The core, the, 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 the energy that's inside that seed has died. But in First Peter says that the word of God is an incorruptible seed. Absolutely incorruptible. In fact, it's so incorruptible that we've heard verses that say, heaven and earth shall pass away, and everything in it shall pass away. Everything, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Imagine that. Everything, the word of the Lord stands forever. That is the imperishable seed. The non-destructible seed imperishable. That's what we need planted in our heart. That's what makes us grow. Once we've received and believe, we've put the word in our heart. Now, let's go to work and make it grow. How do we make it grow? You know, on Wednesday night, uh, refer to that again, our men's Bible study, uh, what it's called is effortless change. 
by Andrew Womack. And we take, we, we, uh, take uh, different lessons, and uh, it's, it's culminating into this seed business and how it grows and so on and so forth. But the, uh, the concept that we, we, now have a, we now have something we have to take care of. This is our responsibility. Before he did all the work, all the work was done. All the work was done on the cross, and we just believed. But now I've got this imperishable seed, and I have to nurture that. That's our responsibility. You know, you know we can take the Word of God and look at it and, and, and get amazed by it and this is for me. We see this so many times with new Christians. I think most of us, I was that way. You read the word, you couldn't put it down. You could read six, seven hours a day. It wasn't a problem. It was, it was wonderful. But all of a sudden, something happens. And you get a little stale. You know, I, I, always, I, always, look, I always look at it, you know, because... We get an enemy. There's a, there's a beast loose called Satan. Comes to steal, kill, destroy. That's all he wants to do. He wants to steal the, steal the word out of your heart. He wants to distort the truth. He want, that's, his, that's his job. That's what he does. And a lot of times I look at a new believer, you know, reading the word there, it's like a football team. You know, it's like in a training camp. You know, you get your team together, you got your quarterback, and man, he's fast, he's smart, look at that big dude, he's rushed the passer and all this stuff, and man, we're set. We've got an awesome team this year. Trouble is, they've got to play somebody. And that team wants to knock the tar out of you, and they think they're good. What happens is Satan comes along, and he wants to, he's the opposition all of a sudden. We can stay and read the word, and and. and and man, isn't this super? Isn't this something? And all of a sudden we find out we've got an enemy that wants to destroy us. And we have an old nature that's got to be discarded. That old nature, in Galatians talks about fighting the new nature, the new, the new nature inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you. So the war, here comes the war. The battle's on. <clears throat> You know, uh, we always hear about Satan. What he has going for him is himself, the world, and the flesh. World, the flesh, and the devil. We've heard of that. That's our huge enemies. You know, the world is not, the world is not singing the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ and his victory over sin. Uh, the devil certainly uh, advocates just the opposite. And our own... Sinful, fallen nature does the same thing. But we as believers have, we have the everlasting word, the Holy Spirit, and the fellowship of saints. So we have, we have a threesome too. We've got a pretty good team too. I'm going to refer back to what I said about the word. Everything else can pass away. Everything. Hell itself. Satan himself. The word of the Lord is going to abide forever. That imperishable seed is in your heart. <clears throat> By the way, as I wrote this out, I, I noticed something. I noticed, gee, our first one when it's here is when, uh, you know, how do I get my salvation? There we connect. 
The second one, what do I do for my salvation? Grow. And the last one we're going to talk about here is what do I do with my salvation? Serve. That's really at Victory Church here. That this is our really our vision. Connect, grow, serve. I kind of saw that fall in line. I thought, hmm, that's pretty neat, Lord. <laughs> so what do I do with my salvation? I got this great salvation. I know now that I have an enemy. I know I have to stand in the word. I have to grow in the word. I have to let it incubate in my heart. One other thing I might say about, you know, letting the word grow. You know, we can read the Bible for years and years and years and not grow. You know, and I've probably said this before, you heard me say it before, but the brain, our, our brain, takes information, it loves information. It's, it's, you know, inquiring minds want to know, you know. So we take in information. We, we just, oh, you hear about the story about David and Goliath? Oh, yeah, really? Oh, that's cool, you know. Little kid comes up to mom and dad, I heard about Goliath, or David, he killed this big Goliath, you know. Well, that's good information, but after a while, okay, I know that, let's go on to another one. Uh, sometimes I think the reason we flatline spiritually is because we just feed our mind. You know what happens if it doesn't get in our heart, in our inner man? We hear a good analogy this week. It's like you eating food, natural food, you stuff your mouth and you never swallow. Same thing. Imagine that. That's a spiritual version of getting it in our mind, knowing it in our mind, but not getting it in our heart. A mouthful of food, and you don't swallow. It's never going to get to your stomach. It's going to never nourish your body. The same way with the Word of God. If you don't get it in your heart, get it down in the vault, it's not going to nourish your spirit. So what do I do with my salvation? First thing I thought of was, It honors our Heavenly Father. We can honor our Heavenly Father. We can glorify Him with our life. We can consecrate ourselves to Him. All of a sudden, others become more important than ourselves. Pretty soon we lose our life in Christ. Like Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the ultimate goal of every believer. Mike, would you put that on uh, the fruits of the Spirit? I think we're going to get this in the message. Okay. Mike had that up here last week, and uh, I never saw that before in the message Bible. That's cool. Before Before I talk about that, I just want to go back to the process of, uh, first of all, when we receive our salvation, how can I get my salvation, and what do I do for my salvation? You know, when we're in that state, we're kind of selfish. We're just, really, we're just, it's all for me. And I don't know any other way to get through that, but it's, it's me. I, I, that's for me. My salvation's for me. 
That's my Lord. That's my Jesus. This is my Holy Spirit living in me. Pretty soon you're going to read the word and you get, you get, you get excited. It's for me. It's for me. But where the, the big metamorphosis, the big change comes, all of a sudden, you know, you know you're taken care of. You're solid. You're bulletproof. This is when we can move into this third, third stage. What can I do with my salvation? Now that I have this great, great salvation, what can I do with it? Well, <clears throat> this is what we look like. That's what we look like. Now, who would, want, who would not want that? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control, faith. What's, what's wrong with that? Well, see, the enemy has got most of the world deceived and say, you don't want that. No, 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 no. No, you don't want that. No, you want something that pleases you and you alone. That's what it's all about. Well, you only go around once in life, so grab all the gusto you can. Right? It's the old Schlitz beer commercial. You know? I mean, really. And you know, against uh, uh, these things here, there's not a law against them. There's no law. There's no law in heaven or any place against any of these. You can do any of these, and uh, there's no law against them. There's no heavenly law. Now, Paul, Paul wrote this in Galatians uh, chapter 5, 22 and 23. And uh, he got killed for it. See, uh, anytime, any time, you know, you're in the enemy's camp here. We know that. <clears throat> and any time that we're going we're gonna to grow, uh, connect, grow, serve, uh, we're going to be targets. All the disciples died that we know of uh, horribly. Uh, except John, that we kind of think he just grew old on the Isle of Patmos. And we hear, uh, actually in, a, a, in a, the, the year, the century 200, uh, that's where most of the persecution of the church came. Well, they just herded them up and killed them. You know, and they had writings on some of the walls and, and caves that they hid in. And it says, we're going to die, but that's okay. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, we've got a Savior. This world here, it's nothing. It's going to pass away. They willingly lined up. There's historical accounts. Of they, they just about fought to get out there before the next one did. Can you imagine that? That's our goal. When we get like this, Things don't really matter here. They really don't. We get good and efficient at doing them, but it doesn't really matter. I want to close with this little story. It was on, I think, CBS News, maybe three weeks ago or something like that. Maybe some of you saw it. But they uh, they had a post office. Uh, I don't know if it's an outlet of the college or what, but at Penn State. And uh, they showed a picture of, uh, these line of peop- a line of people going to the post office. Some of you are shaking your heads like you've probably seen this. Um, and so they said, why are these people lined up? 
And the line was probably from here to the far wall to the kitchen. And <clears throat> so they asked, uh, they asked everybody, they said, well, what, uh, what are you, uh, what are you guys lining up for? I mean, this is, the, this is lining up the post office. Mail a letter, buy some stamps, mail a package, something like that. And <clears throat> uh, they said, well, we just want to talk to the postmaster. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what's the deal? Oh, I just feel good. When I talk to him, I just feel good. I just, I just want to brush by him. I just sometimes just say hi. Well, you got anything in the mail? No, not really. I'm just going through the line. Well, here, of course, they go up and talk to the postmaster, and he's just a, he's probably a guy about my age, and uh, just a sweet guy. And uh, so they had him, you know, and they were talking. A lot of them were kids, college kids and stuff like that. And they were just talking to him. And they just, he lit him up. That was amazing. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's one of those people that we looked at. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, fruits of spirit. That's what we should look like. That's what we can look like. And you know the neat part of it all? It's already in our DNA. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Just like that verse we talked about in, in Ephesians 1, 13 through 15. He's sealed us with the Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. That's the DNA we already have. It's already there. It's already there. Let's close with prayer. Lord, I thank you that you've laid out a plan for us of what you did and the consequences of that and what we look like, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can see these things and understand them. Father, I pray today that what we talked about today would be a seed, the incorruptible seed, Lord, put in our hearts, meant to grow. Seed does one thing and one thing only, Lord. You've designed it to grow. We thank you for that imperishable seed that lives inside of us, Lord. May this week be a week of nourishment, of incubation, of sprouting, of making that seed grow. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.